Well, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. Some Twilight Jacob Renesmee action, yeah. What? Why? No, I mean in the sense where like the child, like the the couples didn't work out. I don't know why for some reason. The children are in love because the fucking sperm and the ovaries from like 20 years ago <laughs> were into each other. What? <laughs> Romancing the Monsters. I'm M. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. She says that she's making a lot of noise. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop because my little the thing was going crazy. And she's Seth. I, I, she I, I said I'm I talked Seth. over her. Okay. I know, but I talked over you. So I just want to make sure that our listeners know that you are Seth. Everyone knows it's me. I'm here, guys. I'm here. <laughs> or as the YouTube captions love to say, you're Seth. <laughs> I'm M. Yeah. Which just E-M, apparently. So... I love that for us. <laughs> <laughs> the topic of today's conversation is Love in the Afternoon by Lisa Claypass. Yes, yes, friends, we've made it to book five in the Hathaway series. Feel free to go back and listen to uh, the past episodes in the series if uh, this is the first one that you stumble upon, because um, we probably are going to refer back to them. So, mm -hmm. you know, in case you're lost, I would recommend you go and listen to the prior ones. Uh, Seth. Yeah. Seth. Seth. What is this book about? Well, E.M.M., -M, <laughs> this book is about our girl Beatrix. She's finally got the spotlight, and um, it starts off with her uh, meeting with her friend who is actually exchanging letters with an officer in the uh, the military right now. And he's known as uh, Captain Christopher Phelan, and he actually was, um, he lived in... What is it called? Where, where the Hampshire, right? That's sure. the area that they're. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, but he is off to war, fighting um, some battle in Crimea. Prue, which is her friend, is actually supposed to be exchanging letters with him, but she receives a letter, and it's just, in her perspective, very boring and just very dull, and she does not care to entertain him. He's literally pouring his heart out, like talking about like how sad he yeah. is, how the war is so tough emotionally draining him blah 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 and she's like oh my god this is so dull like i don't know i don't want to answer her i know and then beatrix being beatrix she's like well you can't just leave him hanging like you know you gotta at least respond to him in some way and so beatrix takes the letter and she actually gets to read it and then she experiences like a sort of pity or like she feels something like the letter is speaking like to her and she feels that it's to her um and he also describes a dog that he found alfred and that speaks to Beatrix's love for animals. So with Prue's permission, she's allowed to respond to Christopher, um, but under Prue's name. And so she continues this exchange with Christopher as Prudence. And lo and behold, she falls in love with him and he falls in love with her as well. Although he believes that he is writing to Prudence, this, uh, I guess, well, like, put together 
woman of the ton and Beatrix we know is very much her own person and she's unique and she is Beatrix and so she fears that you know he'd be angry and disappointed so she decides to stop writing because the feelings got real and she actually is in love with this man that she's written to well I mean I mean let's just mention that she's aware that Christopher Mr. Man has said before oh yes that she belongs in the stables. So to Beatrix, she's like, he would never yes. accept me as I am. He thinks I'm an animal. Yeah, in his perspective, so. yeah. And anyways, he comes back, uh, a well-decorated war hero. He is back. Whoa, 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 whoa. pause, pause. We're forgetting something here. She wrote one last letter, oh, which oh, she yes. wasn't supposed to send, where she was kind of admitting her feelings and being like, without revealing who she was, she was like, come find me. Yes, yes. But she had meant to send, like, a very, like, impersonal message. Yeah, mistakenly sent the wrong one. And, yeah, uh, yeah he comes back, a well-decorated war hero, and his first mission is to find Prudence and marry her. And things don't go according to plan, and he starts realizing that Prudence from the letters might not be the prudence that he sees in person and maybe the person writing the letters was someone different how was beatrix ever that woman's friend right I don't see it i can't see it that is my question do you think she just like was her friend because she felt like she had to be her friend to fit in or i don't know Here's the thought. What if Prudence was not always this bad, but she got tainted, unfortunately, by the marriage market and made into this? Yeah. Because that's just what it garners, like, you know. Okay. I could see that. Because I can't really see a gentle, kind, generous soul like Beatrix having anything to do with someone like Prudence. You would literally just use her. You know, like were they childhood friends though? I don't know. Or were they just recent new friends? No, I don't. I don't think they were childhood friends. I feel like maybe they could have grown to be friends because they all lived in Hampshire. So maybe like they're the same age group. So maybe it was expected for them to be friends, and maybe Mm. they were in a way. Well, nonetheless, uh, what did you guys think of this book? I'm most nervous about S's uh, reaction. Well, I mean, you know part of it. I don't. Because, okay, here's an insight. Uh, We were talking. I don't remember what we were talking about last week, but we had a chat. And S said something to Seth that I didn't hear about how she was feeling about this book. I didn't want to hear. So... But who was the one that asked? I, I felt like you were the one that asked, didn't you? I think I was asking, like, has your like has it changed? Like, are you enjoying it a bit more? Because okay, let's be okay. So in the chat, like our like our group chat that we have, um, S was talking about how I don't think she was liking it. She used emo- emojis that I wasn't too sure if she was liking it or not liking it. And then we asked her last episode, <laughs> "Married by Morning," um, and yeah her opinions i don't know like i just i'm i'm distressed i want to know what you what you think i just i just want to know no okay so i didn't i enjoyed it very much i really love beatrix and christopher it's just the beginning part the aspect of like the letters and then the war epistolary romance is not your thing it's it's not oh interesting i did not know that so it was just that just the the back and forth of the letters and then just Mm. it kind of took place with him in war he was away Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's just, mm. it's not my thing. See, that's what I was more worried about. He's a soldier, yeah. which you're not into men in uniform yeah. type of thing. So I was like, oh, I don't know how she'll feel, but it's not like modern day type of mm-hmm. stuff. So maybe she'll feel different about that. Yeah, no. Conclusions? <laughs> no, so that part, Are? that section of the beginning of the story is just, it, it wasn't doing it for me. It's okay. Just, interesting but other than that but i i love them though so i'll say that from chapter 15 and like up was like amazing <laughs> 50 <laughs> i mean there's like 30 something well that's like 50 percent of the book though is it it doesn't last that long it lasts like maybe what 25 percent of the book and then they're reunited well we'll say chapter 14 because he comes back i think it's like four chapters guys no that's definitely not it <laughs> What? She said he comes back on chapter four. I'm like, no. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe chapter 10? Uh. (laughs) Can we bargain it down to chapter 10? (laughs) No, chapter 15, because that's where I was, like, hooked. Okay, okay, fine. That's when you were hooked. Okay, so then let's focus on the part that you did, like, tell us everything. So... So the scene that got me was them in the stables. I think it was the stables, where they go and meet Uh Hector. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, just the fact the way he grabbed her and like pushed her up against the stalls and then just him Mm, wanting to find out if she was the one behind the letters and stuff. No, he was uh, very, very, uh, he liked pushing her against walls, you know, and I I love that Mm. for him and I love that for her as well. Yeah, indeed. Same, same. Uh, What about you, Seth? I mean, this was easily one of my favorite books in the series. Like, I love this one. I love Beatrix. I think her character is just such a unique person and I think Christopher really complimented her really well and like his character was so like he was so different than all the other men that Lisa Claypass has written just because like you said he's a military man but also like I feel like he had a different sense of like urgency and like his own monsters are very different than all the other males mm, that we've experienced mm-hmm. um in at Lisa Claypass book so I really enjoyed seeing a different side of her writing but yeah I loved their story their romance is really cute. I, for one, like, uh, you know, letters in a romance. I think it's really cute. Dear John, not Dear John. What is it called? Shit. What's it called? Uh, dear, dear Aaron. Dear, Aaron. D- yeah, Aaron. D- dear Aaron by Mariana Zapata. I love that book. Um, Which is also a soldier book, interestingly enough. Yeah. That, I mean, I was going to say, is that a trope? Like, just soldiers writing letters, but then, like, it clicked in my brain that, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense in that, in that case. <laughs> kind, of, kind of makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, I, I love this book. Sam, I love this book. I always have. Christopher, Beatrix. I don't know. There's something about them that just gets me. Yeah. Probably because she's like a little childish, but like in a great way that like actually helps him uh, find some of that light and uh lightness yeah. in himself mm-hmm. that he's he doesn't have so i think like it's obvious here how they actually need each other in that way yeah. i mean don't get me wrong it's hot to have this man be like okay beatrix love you for how you are but i'm gonna you know write a few things in your life and like you know take control of a few things <laughs> i was into it um but like you really love an epistolary romance uh i j- especially here because i actually feel like 
it was needed in a, in a way because like yeah. I every book needed to be a little different from the others so the fact that this romance between them starts you know on a lie and through letters and then he doesn't know but she knows the truth mm-hmm. and for him to come back and for them to have to like you know they fell in love through the letters but then they ha- actually have to uh relearn all of that and like fall back in love with each other as they are you know yeah. and not through this lie so I, I I adore this book I also adore Albert with all my heart oh Albert I said Alfred yeah love him love him love him love the, all the animals obviously Medusa Medusa yeah uh, the ferret was uh, gone for most of the book like where was he well because Catherine adopted the child I mean the animal True. probably that's probably where he yeah. is yeah um, but yeah. But no, going back to your comment about um, how it had to happen in the sense where, you know, the letters were the beginning of the story of their story. And then they had to relearn each other and we fall in love. My question to you girls, do you think they would have fallen in love if it wasn't for the letters? Like if they'd met at a ballroom or something, do you think that they would have had that connection? He probably would have been too pretentious to see that in her. But also the question is, are we talking about him after what happened to him and, you know, the trials, uh, emotional and, and physical of, of war or him before the war? Because he himself says that he's changed a lot. You know, he was a jackass before. Mm-hmm. He was an asshole. He was pretentious and, you know, uh, you know, chasing skirts and, you know... He's not that person anymore. So him before the war, no. Him after, maybe he would have been too closed off to even allow himself to meet someone else Mm -hmm. and, you know, invite someone else into his life. So maybe no, maybe they needed that. Maybe they needed the letters to act as like an in-between for them to, you know, speak their, their, speak their truth. (laughs) Be their authentic selves, you know? Yeah. What about you, Wes? What did you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with, with Marge, everything she said. So, like, yeah. if you had the option to keep the letters in, you actually would, despite you not liking... Yeah, because I don't okay. see it how it would work out unless mm-hmm. animals were involved. Some type of connection mm. with, like, the dog. and. Mm. Well, that's where it started, even through the letters, mm-hmm. what, you know, first connected them was, you know, her giving advice about Albert and then giving advice or uh, reporting on the, the, what was it? The pony or whatever the, that was. The, uh, the mule. Mm-hmm. The mule. Um, so, you know, it did kind of start with yeah. animals and it, it continued, you know, that's kind of what links them. It's, it's kind of tragic, actually, because, you know... Like, we are obviously modern raisers rating this and being like, obviously, this man has PTSD mm-hmm. and obviously, this dog has PTSD. And, like, they're both dealing with the trauma yeah. of what happened to them. And, and they don't know how to deal with it because it just wasn't known no. back then. Like, it wasn't something that was really discovered. And, like, to think, I mean, obviously, people were starting to wonder because, you know, world wars were happening and it was like, well, or, I mean, guess not world wars, but wars were happening that were leaving, you know, men psychologically scarred mm-hmm. 
So I'm guessing they were probably like wondering why are these men reacting to you know loud noises and you know not tr- going back to life as you know we would assume they would or whatever yeah. um but it's kind of tragic because it's it's still mostly unknown and so they probably just thought they were crazy you know which i, know. I guess christopher he did you know he believed that he had gone insane that he was you know, gonna murder someone in his sleep and whatever, you know, he sees himself as a danger, not as just someone who's dealing with trauma. Yeah. Albert was just such a a good, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Emotional support? Companion? Addition. I'm looking for addition. Oh. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Well, he was all of those things. He was all of it, yes, and the best, best friend. Um, but no, he was a good addition to the story because of how he mirrored yeah. Christopher and how he was unable to vocalize, you know, what he's going through. Like, Christopher wasn't able to vocalize what he was going through. And I love that Beatrix, being Beatrix, like, knew how to handle them both in a way that, like, made them still feel like, you know, they are they have their own, like, autonomy and, like, they're their own person. And I don't know, I just, I, I think Albert was just such a great addition to the story. It was like she knew that Albert was her way to communicate certain things to Christopher, if that makes sense. But she never did it with the intent to be with Christopher or to reach Christopher in no. that way, which I, like, I don't know. I just, like, Beatrix's character was just so great. Like, she just honestly did it because she saw a dog suffering and she's like, I can help this dog. Love her. What scene should we go back to and start with? Do you have any in mind that, you know... I just need to talk about the scene that we keep kind of, like, talking about but not talking about. Okay, which is? Okay, the scene that I was thinking of that I thought you were thinking of, but I don't think it's the same scene. Was the scene... I think scene... we were talking about... We were thinking of the same scene. I just didn't remember that it was... It lasted... So long. That long. Like, I think my brain kind of mushed all of that together. Oh. I was Set talking the about the scene where... Um, Beatrix was readying herself for the first time for sex, and she literally is like, I saw squirrels having sex, so this is how I'm going to do it. And he was, like, dying of laughter. That scene is literally my favorite scene in this book. Loved it. Yeah. I (laughs) love that scene. She's so confident. She's, like, he's literally, like, threatening her. He's, like... Well, if you don't tell me the truth, I'll get it out of you, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll have my way with you. Like, he's acting like he's, you know, such a villain, blah, blah, blah. And I just love that Beatrix is like, okay, fine then. Have your way with me. And she flops over onto her stomach. (laughs) And he's like, what are you doing? She's like, well, have your way with me. Isn't that how it's done? I've, like, observed squirrels. I know how it's done. Right. Like, I've read about a hundred species, like, uh, the, the reproduction of a hundred species. I know how it's done, except, uh, what was it? Like, slime or whatever the fuck it was. Like, some kind of insect that was like, except them. It's on their mouth. No, it's snails, <laughs> I think it was. And it's something snails. about the nails. Oh, my gosh. Except snails. They don't do it uh, doggy style. Yeah, and I just love that he was, like, in a dark spot at that moment. But, like, just the moment, like, just her and, like, just the way she is was able, like, he was able to pull himself out of it. And, like... And laugh. I know. And, I mean, yeah, he was laughing at her at that moment. But Mm -hmm. it was just, it was such a sweet moment for them. Yeah, but then she says something. Yes. That he recognizes 
as something that was written in the letters because at this point, uh, you know, she is still denying that she was the one who wrote the letters. Like, obviously, he at this point knows that it wasn't Prudence. Yeah. And he's like, who the fuck did it? So he asks Be- Beatrix and she's still denying it. Uh, but then learns about the mule because, like, and he recognizes that as something that was in the letters, but she's still pretending that that was not, that was just, like, you know, coincidence type of thing. Yeah, she was like, how Prudence told me about the name, and so that's why I named the the mule this. Yeah, and she hears about the fact that, like, uh, Christopher has, you know, closed himself off in a room and he's drinking himself to death and he's just being really depressed yeah. so she goes to see him and that's how we you know get the whole like flipping on the stomach scene and then she says something that he definitely recognizes as something that was in the letters and he's like oh, wait a fucking minute and Beatrix is like and that <laughs> And she literally bolted. And this man's like, she uh, bolts. what are you doing? And then he had to, like, yeah, chase after her. So she runs for her to um, a house on the property, on the land, whatever. It's a, one of the uh, Hathaway. No, no, no. It was, um, it was uh, on West Coast property. One of his? Oh, okay. Well, I guess these people just have fucking houses lying around, <laughs> like, you know, as one does. Um, so she runs to one of them, and she's like, okay, fine, like... It wasn't just a, a house. It was the her safe spot that she always went to. And right. And he knew of it right. from the letters. Right. I just love that she was like, okay, I should be good for a couple hours. And then, of course, Albert, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> comes in, tail wagging. He's like, hello. <laughs> and he led Christopher right to her. And um, anyways, uh, that was the scene that I was remembering. Okay, okay. But following, you know, the flipping on the stomach, like in my memory, that happened at in the, the same house. time. Okay, okay. Yeah, at the same time in the same scene, which I guess it kind of does. It's like one scene that falls into mm-hmm. the next, so it's kind of one scene. Uh, but I love that scene. I love. It's one of those moments. I don't know why it's one of those moments that just sticks with you and you still remember it. It really sticks with you. Yeah. I mean, I read this book. The only time I've ever read this book was back in 2013. And I still to this day in 2021, I I was still like, oh, yeah, the scene where she thinks like that's how sex is done. <laughs> so, you know, that tells you something. How did you feel ass about that? The whole the whole that whole thing when it all went down. I thought it was funny. I thought it was cute. She, she was clueless. And then at age 20, because she's 23, right? At age 23, yeah. I figured she would have at least some type of understanding besides oh, no. the whole animals. Just based just based <laughs> on the her family, who her sisters and her brother are. I mean, she's very wise. And obviously, she has definitely not been sheltered as much as, you know, other ladies mm-hmm. of her age have been. Just yeah. I mean, she's literally like surrounded by disgustingly in love people mm-hmm. all day so like who are who are probably like pawing at, at each other and like know, yeah. caressing each other and kissing each other all day long so mm-hmm. she she probably has seen quite a you know few more than you know others but it's funny to me that she's still like a little innocent yeah or she's like she just decided that she knew this this for a fact and she was like yeah no this is how it's done maybe that's what it was she like honestly felt like she knew it to a t she knew what happened because she's observed it so many times so maybe she just didn't need to know more Uh uh-huh but there was no 
I love that about Beatrix. Like, she's got, she's free in a way. Yeah. You know, like, she's, she, there was no, she wasn't nervous about the act. You know, in a way that a lot of other women in these books, even the ones that are like, yeah, I really want to have sex. And they still get nervous when it comes down to it. And for her, it was just like, no, I want this. I'm fine here. Well, I mean, obviously he made her fucking wait a lot of fucking time. I love that aspect <laughs> of it, though, that he waited or wanted to wait. Yeah. He waited as long as he could. Yeah, because I really, I, I swear I could remember it happening in that house, you know? Earlier. Yeah, I honestly too. thought it happened there, but no, they literally just dry humped and, mm-hmm. you know, that was it. And great for them, but yeah, I thought it happened earlier. What if it did? <gasps> no, I have the, the addition. Are you sure? I don't believe <laughs> nothing no more. Yes, it was literally, this is when I was discovering Lisa Clay Pass and like the Hathaway series and then my mom's like, Oh, I have a few in the basement. And they go in the basement. And of course, that was one of them that was there. Okay. Because I, I too could have sworn that they have sex in that house. But I guess not. (laughs) No, 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 no. We weren't bamboozled here. Anyways, I still have a bone to pick with the publisher. I do as well. But going back to like Beatrix being free, do you think it was because her family never really, like, put limitations on her. Like, even Cam was like, you know, Beatrix is Beatrix. You can't hold her down, you know? And, like, they let her wear, like, pants. They let her do whatever she wanted. And, like, I don't know. Do you think her freeness extended to also sex? What What do you mean? Like, what do you mean it extended to sex? Like, the freedom that she got in her everyday life with, like, Cam and, like, Amelia letting her be who she is. Like, do you think that allowed her to not be like be like, afraid, be sh- like, like feel shame or like you know feel certain? Shame, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. There's no shame to it. Mm-hmm. There's no like, oh, here's what I should do, or maybe I shouldn't react this way, or enjoy this, mm-hmm. or do that, or yeah. She was kind of just like, ha- she's just a happy person, which says a lot about yeah the fact that she has lived probably the best life possible in mm-hmm. you know this kind of situation and time period for women like she was given as many liberties as possible and look what it did it created you know a woman that's very well balanced Mm -hmm. emotionally and like yeah you know she's got dreams of her own and she's very driven and very generous and kind and you know yeah and also like it's also not you know, stop talking about, like, the fact that her parents did die, too. Like, she experienced, like, the loss of her parents. She experienced everything that her other sisters experienced, but, like, because... She was surrounded by love. Exactly. She was, yeah, surrounded by love. Like, from the get-go, I feel like. Yeah, probably, I mean, not probably, definitely more so than anyone else in that family, Mm -hmm. except maybe uh, Poppy, who, I mean, also, I feel like that's something that we discussed in that book, how Poppy was probably, like, you know, she lived a comfortable, happy life because her siblings took on a lot of the responsibility and a lot of, you know, the emotional uh, burden of what happened. So she was free to just be herself and... You know, that has an impact on on someone's personality. Yeah. She doesn't have the baggage that the others have. And the same applies to Beatrix here. Like, she's just free to be whoever the fuck she wants to be. Exactly. Because her family is so loving and so, like, open and free. Whereas, like, on the flip side, Christopher did not have at all the same upbringing that she did. 
his mom literally did not like him. She loved her son, and she made that very vocal. She loved her eldest son the most. And once he died, Christopher had no purpose. And even his own grandfather really kind of, like, disregarded him. And he really didn't have that, like, love that Beatrix had. I mean, the grandfather, more or less, like, he was... He had a couple scenes. He was very great with Beatrix. Or I guess Beatrix was great with him. Yeah, well, because Beatrix is Beatrix. And, like, she's known for being able to talk to men. But isn't it sad how, for Christopher, it's, like, expected that he's not important in his family? And also, I mean, he's the second son. But, like, not only is he not important, but, like, he's not even phased by the fact that his mom would have mm-hmm. rather see him die than his brother you know like to him it's not even like you know it'd be one thing if it was like oh he's actually heartbroken by the fact but to me the fact that he's not heartbroken and just thinks that as like a fact that he expects yeah. is like even more heartbreaking because it's like wow that's like ingrained into his psyche like he's not wanted or needed or important or loved like why why i don't know s how did that make you feel though like reading about his own upbringing and like how he was not really welcomed in his own house when he came back from war no it was sad it was heartbreaking um and i expected the mom to kind of like when they got together and they were going to move into the house like i expected her to be kind of get in the way of that but she didn't she was just like okay you're gonna get married i'm just gonna go i don't know where she went to go live after yeah (laughs) I, and I don't know. Like she was just kind of like okay with them together, so I I kind of expected that she was going to be trouble for them, but it's mm. just like she didn't care. I mean, she literally does not give a fuck. Yeah. She doesn't, not one ounce of it. I guess in a, in a weird way, you could say that like if at least she had been petty about it and being like getting involved, there would have been like some form mm-hmm. of, of twisted ass love care, or like yeah. you know care. Because she's like, no, this person's not good enough or whatnot. But no, no, no. It's literally, like, dismissed. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care. You do whatever you want. Like, my son, my only son is dead. And I could not care less what you do. And I think it's also um, (laughs) referred to Christopher resembling his father a lot. Like, his father cheated on her numerous times. They look alike as well. And we know Christopher in the past was very promiscuous. And even Leo was like, "Uh uh-uh, Beatrix is not marrying him because they know all of his past. She didn't even try to get to know her son after he came back, though. That's the problem. And I feel like she's obviously suffering from, like, deep depression with losing her child. Um, Yeah. But, I don't know, it doesn't excuse her behavior. I also love the scene where, because um, obviously Leo at first is like against it, and like Christopher is there, like telling them, like I guess we'll we'll get married, whatever, and like Leo is against it, and Christopher is like, no, yeah, I'm against it too. That's a good scene. <laughs> I, I love that scene. Like I don't, I I don't want this either. Like I'm only here because like I feel like I have to, but like this is a bad idea. I'm just letting you know. I know that scene was so good and I love how Leo was like sitting there like his legs sprawled and he's like Cam give him a Romany saying let's go and then Cam was not doing it until the very end and he's like see I told you you're gonna give one or better yet when Kev finally comes back and like you expect Kev to like you know you're like uh oh Kev just learned that (laughs) Beatrix is getting married trouble's gonna be you know happening here 
And then instead, Christopher is like, I'm willing to take Medusa. And right away, Kevin's like, y'all are getting married. Bye. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't just Medusa. It was all the animals. And Kev's all like, you know animals. what? Yeah. yeah you know right. what? I approve. Done deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of like Christopher with the Hathaways. Yeah. How did you guys feel about like the way he was like embedded in the Hathaways and like how he came to like them and change his perspective? Because he was that person in the ton who was kind of like the Hathaways were like crazy and like they were odd and like you need to avoid them. But then like even like when he came back from war, he still thought that. And then like as he slowly got to know them, he his pers- like perspective changed a lot, obviously. <laughs> well, good thing that it changed a lot because he was a little asshole before. Yeah, right? Being all judging everybody and... Proof that people can change. Yeah. And it also proves that, like, just because, like, it's easy to judge people, it doesn't mean that it's not easy to change your perspective because he did change it quickly and, like, he did regard them as, like, a family in the end. Plus, if anything, you know, he was being his pretentious self before and was he really loved or careful? cared for True. no so, so to to have him here be actually like st- someone who is struggling with you know deep stuff yeah and to be taken in by this family and like he tells them like outright like i could kill her in her sleep yeah. or in my sleep like i am i am danger i am a danger to her mm-hmm. and their reaction is not to say you're crazy Get away from here. I know. We don't want nothing to do with you. Instead, their reaction is to be like, it, you know, it's possible that it will, you know, go away with time. That, you know, time will heal this wound and blah, blah, blah. Kev went through the same thing. One of our own. And, you know, he it's getting easier for I know. him. Like, that scene was so great because he, I feel like for him, he finally felt seen and, like, understood yeah. by people cared for yes, like cared someone for. out there was actually caring about him or invested in him getting better even when he wasn't willing to invest in that i know thought, you know so oh, i just love the hathaways honestly it's just like they would take in literally anyone <laughs> yeah i just feel like they're such a they're so unrealistic of a family but i just love I them know. like they're so welcoming and i just i wish i could meet them I know. Yeah. I know. I wish I could just marry Leo. You know. <laughs> and me and Kev. He was, he was, he, 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 in this book, I don't know. There was something extra, extra for me. Like, I don't know if it's the fact that he's a daddy now. Oh, right. Yes. That makes him like hotter to me. And he's got two. And I, I don't know. My ovaries were twitching whenever he was there. <laughs> he does it for me. He does it for me. How do we feel about, yeah, the babies. We don't even talk about the next generation Hathaway family. How are you guys feeling about the kids? Like, even little Rye. He was cute. I love Rye. (laughs) I love him. He's so cute. He's so cute. But, like, Lisa. Right? Lisa? Knock, knock. Where the hell is second generation at? I think this is the perfect time for her to mesh the wallflowers and the Hathaways. Wait, is that even possible? How old would be the ha- uh, the wallflower kids compared to the Hathaway kids? A few years older. Only a few. Because remember, I think in book, was it book two or book one? 
Lil- Lillian had her. Lillian was there with her. Ch- yeah, with Merritt. You're right. Yeah. And Merritt was like a one or two years old. So they're not that far apart. Why? In my brain, it's like 10 years later. Yeah, no, know? but let's also not forget Westcliff was 35 or 36, and Lillian was like 23, 24. So. It's not that. It's not bad if it happens. Oh, let's close. I'm getting the flutters just thinking about him. I know. Um. Yeah. I mean, Lisa. Hello. This is like my fucking seventh, uh, strongly worded letter to you <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Where is the series? Please. I would love to, because I feel like we know a lot about, like, what happens with the Wallflower kids, you know? Like, we know their names, we know how many they've had, we fucking know that Sebastian's going to be having kids till he's 98. (laughs) Like, we know all these things, but, like, the Hathaways, it's like, this is it. I don't know if you're aware, S, but, like, this is your goodbye to the Hathaways. Like, they're gone after this. We don't know what happens to them. Why did you tell me? I just realized that that's... (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize. Did you not realize this was the end? No. It didn't feel like the end, to be honest. Yeah, they're not in the other ones. At all? At At all. all. Not even like a little mention of them? No? I don't think so. So, Lisa Claypass, this is my appeal to you to write a merged series, like a joint series between these two families. I'm even willing to... I mean, it doesn't have to be merged. Listen... I'm even willing for two separate <laughs> just so I get more books. Yeah, that too. I mean, if you want to give the ha- – if your plan is to give the Hathaways, you know, their own series, their own limelight, I'm okay with that. You know, stay silent if that's the case. I just had the the best head canon. What? So remember that thing that Cam and Daisy had way back in the day? <laughs> oh. What if we had Rye – and one of Daisy's girls do a redo, do do do, but they actually merge the family for reals for reals. Ah! Well, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. Some Twilight Jacob Renesme action. Yeah. What? No, why? I mean in the sense where like the child, like the the couples didn't work out. I don't know why for some reason. The children are in love because the fucking sperm and the ovaries from like twenty years ago <laughs> were into each other. What? I don't think that, like that makes that, any so. sense. Like that. And it made sense in my head until I said it. <laughs> no, no. Anyways, no. yes, I'm down for uh, what you said, not for what I said. Glad that's settled, Lisa Claypass. Um, thank you. Love that we've settled uh, Fox Hall and Isabel for you. Yes. We've also settled Rye and whoever of Daisy's kids, you know, fits best. Uh, you know, just give us a call. Honestly, Lisa, the line is open for you. Feel free to drop us an email. We'll let you know like what the pairings are here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. I'm always available. Um, anywho, um, can we, something we didn't talk about was Christopher's little, uh, protective self mm-hmm. when he's like, so essentially he's like, okay, so if we get married, like, you're gonna have to be the obedient wife. Like, I'm, <laughs> the, I listen, I know how it works in the Hathaway household, Ramsey household. 
but uh, you gotta understand that like I'm a traditional man <laughs> with traditional values yeah. <laughs> and he's like never put yourself in danger you hear me that's a rule and then what does Beatrix do? Put yourself in danger <laughs> yes she hops onto a horse who's she's you know she's trying to tame the horse it's I guess something happened to the horse and it's a little wild, but a little like, you know, doesn't really love human company much. And she's on its back and it rears back and she falls. And uh, I don't know why I'm I'm bringing this up other than I just love to see that side of him. Can I um, add to that? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, a million points. Yes, agreed. I just want to say... That Christopher gives me real daddy vibes or, like, real dominant mm. and she's really sub- – she's trying to be submissive, you know? Um, There's a scene – I mean, she's doing a pretty good job, though. She's, like, happily doing it, no. you know? Okay. okay, hold on. I have this passage that I need to read to you. And it just like, – it gave me these vibes where I was, like, squealing, you know, in my chair. Uh-huh. In your chair? <laughs> As I was reading. <laughs> that doesn't sound very comfortable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyways, continuing on. Okay, Christopher says, I'll take care of you. Christopher looked down at her, his expression stern. Are you going to argue with me? Beatrix tried to sound meek. No, sir. And then a slow smile crossed his face. That was the worst attempt at obedience I've ever seen. And then she's like, let's practice. Wrapping her arms Uh around his neck. Give me an order and see if I don't follow it. And he's like, kiss me. And obviously she kisses him. Yeah. yeah, 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 that, all of that. Yes. Yeah, no, um, Christopher, I mean, what can I say? I mean, honestly, S, I feel like you haven't said a whole lot, the whole lot about him. Like, what are thoughts and feelings? You know, we know. Likes, dislikes. We know that, like, psycho Harry, obsessive Harry was, mm-hmm. you know, your number one. Uh, I think you did enjoy uh, funny yet troubled leo christopher i mean i like him but i don't think he's like a top i don't think he got to that level of like my love for like harry but does he beat leo for you after this book no Mm. because just seeing leo in this book with with cat and like her their kid and leo has the advantage of a couple books you know yeah we only just met Christopher. Yeah. But let's also recall Christopher was the person you predicted you'd like the most. So do you think Ooh, that was yeah, kind of that played true. a factor in you like maybe having higher mm. expectations for him and then him not living up to it maybe? Maybe, yeah, a little bit. But I think it's just I think what threw me off is just the beginning of the story which kind of sucks and I think I should have expected it. I think I should have read. Maybe told yeah, you. Yeah, I think I, I, I should have read the um, the the synopsis and then the cover is there with the letters. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't oh, really. That's and true. And yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really catch that until like I was reading. I was like, "What the hell?" And then it just kind of threw me off. But I mean, he's not bad. He's delicious. He's definitely not bad. Yeah, no. You would still say yes if he suddenly uh, has me up against out the stall, thin air. And, like grips yeah. my hair and. Yeah. And I think there was a moment where I could think he was like edging her, right? Or is am I yes! thinking of someone else? Where he tells her not to come and like she yes. like she gets all worried, like, oh my god, I I I came 
Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, she came and he, she's like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's okay. Yeah. But like, yes, he was etching her. Right? Christopher. Oh, can we also talk about um, my girl Beatrix on her wedding night? Poppy gives her this hot, hot nightgown. She puts it on. She literally is like, you know what? I'm going to put it on. Be- oh, Poppy said. See, that's what I mean. She's like just, it. She doesn't care. She doesn't have the like, she has no inhibitions. Yeah. Like, she's just doing whatever she wants. No shame. I love that. I know. And she puts it on, and Christopher literally saw red and could not deal. Yeah. Sounded hot. She sounded like, you know, a goddess. I also love that, like, it's probably still a fucking potato sack, know. you know? Like, it's probably still very large and, like, not that, you know, sexy in hindsight. But, like, to them, it was like, ooh. <laughs> A slightly sheer fabric. No, it was, yeah, it was sheer, and it also at the back was open. Imagine those men today if they saw, like, a bikini, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, my gosh, an Outlander. Did you, oh, No, you probably didn't see it when she goes back through the portal and takes pictures of her and her daughter for him for Jamie to see. Have you seen that? And then she was wearing a bikini no. in one of the pictures, and Jamie was freaking out. He was like, what? Oh, my God. Yeah, I loved it. In his little Scottish accent. And his little spectacles because they're on the tip of his nose because he's in his 60s now and he couldn't see as well. And I'm like, oh, Jamie. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, can we talk about Bennett for a moment? Um, so we kind of talked about the whole, you know, PTSD yes. thing is a huge part of this novel, obviously. Um, and I do like that by the end there's no real like solution to it you know it's it's a thing that's gonna stay for a while and the only cure really is to be kind to yourself and allow yourself time to work through it and you know and be patient except that sometimes you're gonna have you know moments where you go down a, you know, dark path and then you'll come out of it yeah. because you have, you know, the love of your life helping you out of there and blah, blah, blah. Bennett, the, the whole Bennett story, I find very interesting because I didn't remember this. Oh, you didn't? From, no. Okay. So, well, I mean, yes and no. Like, I, I, when it started happening, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, the guy that he thought died, died yeah. is not actually dead and he'll come back. But it, I, I didn't... I didn't remember, like, how it was going to go down or what would happen from that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Bennett, uh, so so a thing that, you know, causes uh, Christopher a lot of guilt throughout this book is that when he was on the battlefield, there were two, there was something happened. And essentially, he had to make, like, a decision in this a split moment where he had to pick a man who he really didn't like. Like, he was basically his enemy, but, you know, they were fighting for the same cause, but, like, he didn't like this man. But uh, he had to choose between that man and his best friend because his best friend was looking really rough. Like, he was looking like he might not survive. So Mm -hmm. he had to save the other guy because, you know, you have to save whoever might survive. No, and not only that, I think Christopher was also worried because he was a general that like if they the enemy had got their hands on him, yeah, he has true. a lot of information that you know true. could make true. them win the but war. But he did leave Albert yes. with his friend, so he saved the other guy. And then when he came back, um, the the friend was gone, Albert was still there, and he was wounded. So he just 
assumed that Bennett had died that day. Turns out Bennett was actually captured. He was uh, tortured for years and years until they found him or I guess they released him or something. And obviously Bennett is just as troubled by the war and the torture Mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, Christopher is. He comes back with, you know, wanting to uh, avenge himself, I guess, and take his revenge on uh, Christopher and kill Christopher because in his head, you know, Christopher left him. Yeah. But turns out, you know, Christopher explains like, no, like I I wanted to save you, but I thought you were going to die and I had to save whoever was going to survive. And I left my dog with you. Like, Mm -hmm. I, you know that I wouldn't have left my dog with you if I hadn't meant to come back. Like, you know how precious and important Albert was to me. Like, I wouldn't just do that. And I really love that... This is not resolved in, like, oh, he's just a madman and he just tries yeah. to kill someone and, like, that's that. You know, I really love that, like, that's enough for him to understand that there's more to the story. And right away, Bennett is like, I'm just exhausted. You know, like, he's so exhausted at this point, physically, emotionally, from years and years and years and years and years of trauma that has not been dealt with. Because, mind you, they don't fucking know what that mm-hmm. is yet. I love that he wasn't turned into a villain, a villain really. Yeah. You know, he was allowed to change. He was allowed to apologize and, uh, you know, find a new path. Yeah, and he was allowed to have a future for himself. That was so important. And, and I mean, I love that it's hinted at that him and what's her name? Audrey? Yes. Hmm. Might have a little something something going on. I love that it was just like the only reason they started being friends was that he told her he was impotent. I kind of wanted their story. I wish Lisa Claypass wrote a short story. Right? Lisa, I'm going to add this at the bottom of the letter as like a uh, note. Also, really would love the <laughs> story between Audrey and Bennett. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was going to say, like, that would have been, like, a good, like, closing out story. Yeah. That could have yeah. been, like, a Christmas story oh. again. Mm-hmm. A missed opportunity here, guys. But anyways, back to Bennett. I love that Beatrix was like, no, you should stay here for a bit, recuperate, you know, gather yourself. And, like, she, again, like, was patient with him and, like, helped him heal. And, like, also Christopher helped his friend heal. And, like you said, I love that he was able to do that. I love that Lisa Clay passed like, wrote him with respect, you know? Like, he was he was a man suffering, and he was given that opportunity to get better or, like, get as much better as he could. Which I feel is something in Lisa's, in her books, that I feel like she often has these, like, side characters that have quite sad stories, mm-hmm. but she actually doesn't let them stay that way Mm -hmm. at least from the ones that i can remember just off the top of my head like you know i'm thinking like um um annabelle's mother i'm thinking like obviously bennett and audrey and like she has these side characters who usually we would just expect to like kind of fade into the darkness and never hear from again and like you just assume that their life has just stayed as awful as it was sadly yeah but here, I feel like whenever she has characters like that, she actually tries as best as she can to hint at, no, their life doesn't stay, you know, 
terrible Mm -hmm. and miserable they actually you know have a chance you know at something better too which i just you know because at the end of the day as much as we would love to think we're the main character we really are the side (laughs) characters here (laughs) no for sure and i also love that she gave the side characters depth like audrey's character i think her character is really interesting and first she started off as just christopher's no actually no she started off first as beatrix's friend um, and then later on we saw her as a sister-in-law to Christopher, and then we saw her as, like, a sister to her own brothers that are very over- overprotective, overbearing, and, like, she had a life, and I, I loved her, like, what we saw of her, I think her character was interesting, and I would, again, would have liked to see her more fleshed out, but she still had a strong presence in the story, and her brother sounded hot, but that's it. You know what, we should actually verify that they do not get a book because lisa has written quite a few little like novellas christmas novellas and stuff right part of like anthologies and collections and stuff like who's to say that they don't get a book it's her fault honestly like she should not create characters that are interesting right it's just like i just feel like it's her curse she just can't write a boring character right yeah (laughs) literally um, all right. Should we, is there any other, you know, instances in the book that you want to discuss, you know, particularly, or should we move into the monster uh, of the story? I've talked about everything on my list. S, what about you? No, I think we'll go into the monster. Oh, uh, well, actually, how do you feel about the time where, because this is something that kind of bothers you, uh, Seth, sometimes, like, there is quite... A bit of time where they are actually separate. Mm. You know, she he's in London with Prudence and she's back in Hampshire. Yeah. How do you feel about that? It happened choice, over one then? chapter. <laughs> like, I, like, of course, like, they described it like he spent the whole season in London. It's like months. Yeah, it's months. Each other. And I feel like for him, he needed that time to, like, acclimate himself to the new world. And, like, not the new world, but, like, a new world to him. Um... And I don't know, I feel like he himself needed to be able to see that Prudence wasn't who, you know, Prudence was. And Beatrix, you know, being Beatrix, just, like, needed to be free in Hampshire. So that's fine with it. But then why do you think he was still going to marry her? Which he says yes. later on, like, oh, no, I wasn't going to marry her. But, like, why did you still propose? Yeah. Like, you were mad, I get it, and you made stupid decisions because you were mad. But, like, that didn't make sense to me. And then, obviously, the second that he's like, oh, maybe I actually like Beatrix, he's like, proposal? What proposal? I never proposed. Yeah. You yeah. know? Okay. So, how I saw this was, I think he mentioned it, like, briefly. He's like, I'm going to, like, get revenge on the person that wrote the letters. And, like, this was his version of revenge, mm-hmm. like, marrying or, like, maybe saying he's going to marry someone. Because he thought that was, like, a farce. Like, he thought he was being made, you know... No, but he also thought that, like, it would be a type of revenge, which I wish we saw more of. I wish we saw more of, like, Beatrix witnessing that. And also... McKenna? McKenna level of (laughs) angst here would have been great. Yes. And I also wished... Oh, my gosh. I wish we got more jealousy with, like, you know, Beatrix and Mr. Chickering or whatever his name was. I kind of wish we saw more of Christopher seeing them and, like, seeing their interactions because we saw it once, but... I know it wasn't the focus of the story. The focus of the story was, like, growth and, like, healing. But I would have yeah. liked to see some petty jealousy. But I just think it's funny that, like, he's technically engaged. And then the second he goes back to Emshire, it's, like, never mentioned again. 
off. <laughs> it wasn't just that like, he was engaged. He was just given, um, you know, permission to publicly permission. court Well, her. I mean, that's as good as engaged, okay? Okay, okay? That's as good as married back then. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the monster. Oh, well, actually, pause. I just want to say that this book obviously ends with Christopher. He's getting uh, a medal yeah, for, yes. you know, his whatever he's done in the war like you know he's a hero he obviously does not want this medal he doesn't feel like he uh you know deserves that kind of honor uh you know because to him war is just like he killed people he's good at killing people like why is that something that you know should be an honor which i appreciate that he's aware of that um but i just had to mention that i love that albert is giving a medal too and he's all cleaned up and like ready to receive this medal and he licks the queen's hand and then yeah i just i loved it his little collar i just, <laughs> oh, love him so much so cute just little albert uh anyway now we can actually move into the monster <laughs> okay. for real for real all right so what do you girls think the monster the story was for, well, I only have it for um, for Christopher. Yeah. Where I think his monster is, like, guilt and regret in yeah. regards to, like, leaving Bennett behind. And he came back from the war and, like, wasn't able to enjoy yeah. life. And I feel like he carried that on his shoulders. He suffered a lot from survivor's guilt. Like, it was, yeah. it was bad. His acceptance that he's not worthy of people's respect or love Mm -hmm. you know like he just fully accepted that as like truth when it's like no everyone deserves to be loved especially by their family like why is that just taken in as like fact here that was like kind of the monster i had for him too but i just labeled it as like the remaining effects of war and like watching and experiencing not experiencing death but just watching it um, yeah, like, it was literally PTSD, shell shock, uh, you know, survivor's guilt that, you know, it was, like, it was really hindering him from, like, healing, and he wasn't allowing himself to heal because of what he experienced and what he felt like, he kind of felt like you said at fault for Bennett, and a lot of other people died for him, like, that he was close with, so. I also found it really interesting, I don't even, I don't even think I knew this, but that, if you were, like, uh, someone from, like, nobility, you were able to purchase a commission in the army. I didn't really yeah. know that. So, like, you literally have men leading a squadron that ha- know nothing about fighting or, like, strategy or war. And you're just having people lead them. Like, Christopher literally bought his. And, like, he's leading, like, thank God. Yeah, because he's the second son. That's what's expected of him. If you're a second son, then you go to war. <laughs> but, Come like, on. thank God he was able to, like, actually, like, lead these men. But he he was, like, who the fuck am I yeah. to lead these men into war? I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then, you know, it's not mentioned, but he did sell his, uh, what did you call this? His commission. His commission afterwards. So unless the war was over by that point i don't know but like you would imagine that that was probably a difficult decision as well because he's grown to care about his men and the people under him and like obviously he's very good at his job so like to then give that away to someone who's probably just as fucking clueless as he was yeah and could be a very bad uh general which he does mention that like there are men who are just 
awful. Like the guy that he saved, he was awful and was like, exactly. you know, whipping other soldiers. Yeah. He was awful. But he also, Christopher also said that there's men that knew so much about like leading people and like actually could lead people and had the strategy, but they didn't have the money to buy the commission. He's like, who am I, this blue blood going in that's never really experienced hardship. And like, because I have privilege, because I have money, I was able to get this post. Yeah, also, I don't quite know how to word this, but the fact that he can't live with himself, therefore he's incapable of imagining anyone else living with him, if Mm. that makes sense. Like, he's unable to see himself in that light, so he... Like, he pushes people away or he's like, all right, well, we'll we'll get married, but you will, like, we will never sleep together. I mean, they will, they will certainly fuck, but they won't sleep together. In the same bed, So, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like, I just feel like it comes from his own um, inability to, like, love himself or, like, uh, live, live with himself Mm -hmm. as he is. No, I, I, I. Yeah, I can see that. And also, I feel like the whole not being able to sleep in the same bed was because he his nightmares are so violent and he didn't know how to cope or deal with it. Um, and like you said, he didn't know how to care for himself in that way. And so, sadly, yeah, they didn't share their... Even their wedding night, they didn't share the same bed. Um, but I do love that the book ends with him just making that one choice, yes. you know? It, it's literally not more difficult than that. It doesn't mean that the struggle ends there mm-hmm. and that he's never going to wake up and, you know, fucking punch Beatrix in the face. I don't fucking know. But, like, it doesn't mean that it ends there, but it starts with a choice. Exactly. And in that scene, he's making that choice to work mm-hmm. towards that path yeah. to peace. Beatrix can only do so much, you know? She can only, like, tell him that he's worthy, tell him that he can heal, and, like, you know, tell him you know, the steps for it. But he has to make that choice himself that, you know, he wants to heal. And it's a simple choice. It's a difficult journey, but it's a simple choice. So I do do love that we get that little scene. Do you have any monsters for Beatrix? I just had like a small one. um, And it was more so related to Christopher. Like the fear of being disliked because you're different. And she seriously feared that he would hate her and like laugh in her face if he found out the truth of who she was because of like obviously past experiences um that's the smallest thing that I had and like because of that it kind of stopped her from pursuing Christopher romantically or even telling him that she is who you know wrote the letter she's the person who did that I think a uh no not a (laughs) I think I (laughs) I think that while it's commendable that she always sees the positive in people, that she always she's always willing to love people from the start. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't even know them and she's willing to like them. Mm-hmm. That's just how she is. You know, she doesn't she doesn't her first thoughts are not tainted by prejudices or, you know, trauma or whatever you know you name it so that's commendable but I have to say that it's also dangerous Mm -hmm. you know I don't remember what book it was probably one of the first ones probably the first one 
where someone mentions that it's like no matter how much you insult or hurt Beatrix she will she will always come back to you yeah which is not great you know and they do mention in this book that she's I think it's Christopher who says that she's scared of being abandoned yes yeah I think that that's where it stems from you know like she's scared of finding herself completely alone in the world therefore she takes everything and everyone in you know she just adds more and more people to her little group but you know at least so far you know she she she's been lucky with the people that Mm -hmm. you know have stumbled into her life but one would imagine that that's not you know always the case with people like that because there are people like you know beatrix who just want to see the positive right away yeah. and they are not like they don't guard themselves yeah. emotionally in that way and they get hurt do you think that's why she has a lot of animals why she takes in a lot of animals oh, for sure well? for sure yeah she she wouldn't abandon anything because she wouldn't want to be abandoned herself yeah like even like taking lucky for example the cat with three legs like the cat was gonna die mm-hmm. But then Beatrix was like, no, the cat is, like, has feelings. It is a being. It deserves to live and be loved as well. And, I mean, similarly, it's all animals that are a little different. Yes. And Beatrix herself is a little different, Mm -hmm. you know. Her taking them in is probably a way for her to soothe herself into feeling like she's taken in, you know. Because, you know, she is. But, you know what I mean? Like, kind of reverse psychology here (laughs) no but I also feel like looking at it like in a different light as well we can also think about maybe she doesn't let Christopher in right away when she sees him you know the first time is because you know she fears the abandonment that will happen like she like it's imminent that it'll happen like it'll happen for sure um so maybe she just uses that comment about her belonging in the stables and also other people's comments to solidify her rightness that they will never be together like, I just feel like she uses that as, like, a like a wall or, like, a piece of armor, in a way. What do you think of her assessment that um, Christopher is a fox? He's foxy. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she explains she explains in the book why she feels he's a, a fox. And it has something to do with, like, uh, they're kind of possessive. And then they go on little journeys away from home. But they always come home and... Something like that. Mm. You know, you might take detours to to come home, but you'll always come home yeah. to your So little... then it matches him. I say it does. All right, S. Question. How did you feel about your Hathaway first time reading? It was good. I think I went... When I started the series, I didn't think I was going to have, like, a deep connection to any of the characters like I did with the Wallflowers. Mm-hmm. But I was wrong. Okay. Because I ended up loving them, the siblings, the relationships. Do you think in any way it's, like, on par with the Wallflowers? Do you still feel like they're, like, it's not, like, it doesn't reach the level of the Wallflowers? It feels kind of wrong to compare. I feel like they're all, they're both great. Yeah, they're both great. I think, yeah. 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 Like, not comparing them, but just, like, if they, because I know how much you love the Wallflowers, and I know how much, like, you hold them close to your heart. So I just wanted to know if, like, mm-hmm. this series also had that same effect on you? I think it did. And I think I'm going to miss them. So that kind of sucks that when you girls said that, like, this is it. 
there's not going to be any more mentions of them. I can't believe you read this book and you were like, like, oh, this is the end. Though I will say, I can get it because, uh, what's it called? Scandal in Spring. Definitely, like, at the end, it's wrapped up. Like, it's this is the end, you know? And then you get a Wallflower Christmas anyway. Yeah. And that's also, that feels like the yeah. end of the ending. Here, I can I can understand why it didn't quite, like, hit you because it's not set up mm-hmm. in that way. You don't get, like, a scene at the end with all the siblings together being all yeah. happy and stuff and it feels like a goodbye, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's also not ignore that my man, Kev, was barely in the book. He only came in for, like, the last few chapters. Him and, and, and Wynn are always kind of absent, but yeah. I feel like it suits their characters, though. They are that couple that are very, like, private. Because they always be fucking? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're just very private, okay? Like, they've never really enjoyed the chaotic life at home. They like being amongst themselves. Yeah. And, like, just visit once in a while. So, like, it makes sense to me that they're kind of, like, absent I am sad to let them go. Me too. I loved being in this world. I loved being the wallflowers at first, and now I love being with the Hathaways. I don't know. How are we going to let them go? Um. All right. It is time. This is the final episode. We've read five books prior to this one. No, four books prior to this one. Five, including this one. The final Hathaway series ranking. And if I remember correctly, but I'm willing to forget we ever said that. <laughs> I think we said we would get to the last book and rank no. these characters with I never agreed. <laughs> I never agreed to that. Mm-mm. I'm willing to forget we ever said okay. that. I'm willing to forget. Boop. Let's just stick to this. All right. Series. This series. Agreed. Okay, this series. Who wants to start? All right. Um, females first, then. Um, I just want to get it over with. Um, Amelia, Poppy, win in third spot. I was struggling with this one. Um, so I have, like, Beatrix and Catherine. But then as I'm, like, thinking about this, I have Catherine and Beatrix. And then I thought about it again. And then it's, you know, Beatrix and Catherine. So I just feel like for them, they're, like, interchangeable at this point. I love them both for different reasons. I'm just confused who's number one. Beatrix or Catherine? That's the thing. I, I don't know. I feel like they keep switching on me, you know. But I, right now what I have on my list prior to our discussion is Beatrix and Catherine. But I feel like after our discussion, it's Catherine and Beatrix. But then I don't know. Okay, for me, I think it's going to be Wynn, Amelia, Poppy, Catherine, Beatrix. Okay. And again, this is your weekly reminder that, like, none of these characters are bad, okay? Like, this is hard for us. Okay, S, come on, girl. Get your shit <sighs> but together. But it kind of sucks because... um. Okay, so for the girls, I'll say I'll say Amelia, Beatrix, when Cat and Poppy. Wow. What? No. Beatrix? No. Maybe, maybe no. I don't know. I'm not satisfied with this list. I'll just say that. Okay. okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so and then for the guys, we'll go with Cam, Christopher, Kev, Leo, and then Harry. Okay, for me, I found this really hard. Um, because. I like Christopher and Leo, like, but I feel like they're at the same, remember we said we can't put them on the same ranking, at the same number, we can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So I have Cam, Christopher, Leo, Harry, then Kev. 
But I f- honestly feel like Leo and Christopher are tied for me. But again. Wow. Uh, for me, it's Cam, Kev, Harry, Christopher, Leo. Our lists are so different. At least, like, our favorites, you know, we're not fighting over them. I don't know. I'm not satisfied with my list, but <laughs> we'll leave it at that. It will be, like, 1 a.m. She'll be in bed, like, oh, no, I should have said that. <laughs> Still agonizing over I'll this I'll probably list. resend my list in the chat. She'll post yeah. it, you know, with this episode. Be like, no, this is my new list. Uh, speaking of, uh, obviously, we've just made our official uh, final list. Uh, but if you have a list of your own that you would like to share with us, uh, or, you know, feel free to just tell us who are your favorite characters or your favorite col- uh, color. <laughs> <laughs> tell us your favorite color, I guess. <laughs> your favorite couple in the series. Uh, feel free to reach us online. You can find us on Twitter at the RTM Pod, as well as on Instagram at Romancing the Monsters podcast you can also email us lisa that goes for you you can definitely email us at <laughs> romancing the monsters podcast at gmail.com i hope you got that <laughs> repeat it once more for her romancing the monsters <laughs> podcast at gmail.com that is at gmail.com thank you <laughs> um we're also on tiktok at romancing the monsters pod um and lastly uh we are also on youtube where the captions are not great but they're there um so you can find us by simply searching for the name of our podcast and while you're there why wouldn't you follow us (laughs) just the thought um and if you're looking for me specifically i'm on both twitter and instagram at foes and lovers and you can find me on both twitter and instagram at but this book and you can find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And also, please feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, as well as subscribe to any of the podcast platforms. Yeah, just do it if, if you want. I mean, it'd be great. But, if we've earned it. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I don't know what our next series will be. I don't know either. I'm we've actually... We've got to discuss that. I don't know. What it will be. We do know, but we refuse to go that <laughs> route. Ugh. As really wants to do the Ravenel series. <laughs> at least the clay pad. But I don't think it's going to happen like now. Yeah, it's going to happen like a year. A year, people. Listeners, let us know if it's something that you are interested in. No, listen. The next series we do is something else. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I have more to say, but I don't. I definitely don't. So, All right. see you next week, guys. Let's just end it. Hopefully. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>